Megan Jacoby brought to Hyrox the perfect combination of incredible athletic ability and endearing personality. In her first year in the sport, Megan set multiple world records and podium in all three elite races. But it was her interviews championing women athletes, a promise that she or another female athlete would go sub 60 within a Hyrox race that year, and her life story balancing being a mum with being a high performance athlete that really drew attention. It's hard to listen to Megan speak or watch her train and not find yourself fired up. She's an intense individual who gives 100% effort to every performance, and this has not only inspired countless athletes climbing the ladder, but elevated the whole field in the women's elite division. In today's interview, Megan breaks down how she trains for strength and speed, and shares some of her biggest tips for athletes to level up their own high rocks performance. Okay, so I'm here with Megan Jacoby and her dog. Um, Megan's just... <laughs> Megan's back from uh, Battle Bunker fairly recently and also um, DECA competition and we're going to be talking about strength today. So how are things going, Megan, after the Battle Bunker and DECA comp? Good. Um, the Battle Bunker was actually a really cool, totally different style competition than than we really see in the hybrid scene. So it was really, it was a really cool experience and Getting to use a barbell was very exciting. I, I wish they'd throw something like that in High Rocks, just like mix it up <laughs> one time. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel pretty good. That's awesome. Yeah, like state station eight is like fifty deadlifts at a certain weight for time. Yeah, <laughs> that would be amazing. Yeah, yeah. That'd well, be awesome. we say that, and then in practice, <laughs> this yeah. is the worst. You know. <laughs> yeah. So. So yeah, we've got you on to talk about strength today and we'll, we'll dive straight in it. Um, one of the, to start us off, I guess I'd ask you, how important for you is strength in high rocks? Super important, but it does get a little bit tricky, I think, to kind of just manage all the aspects of training. Um, so as I get like dialed in to a big race, I typically will pull back a little bit on the strength and then I often kind of replace those days with like big metcons just because they're a little bit a they're a little bit higher intensity but they can keep you relatively strong um without so much output so much time um but yeah strength is huge for me and it's uh I think been a very big reason why I've been able to come in and kind of have the success that I've had so quickly um, just having like a really, really, really strong strength foundation before I ever really found this stuff. So, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and yeah, and also on the men's side, you have um, Graham Halliday as well, super strong guy, and he came in um, similar to you, like no one had ever heard of him, and he's just finished. I think he finished fifth in the world this year. So yeah, so yeah, so that's that's awesome. I know he's he's got some crazy squat and uh, deadlift numbers. So. So digging a little bit deeper in, into the, the strength side of things, are there s specific stations um, where you think strength is actually really important? Yeah, I mean, I, I, obviously with the sleds, it's, um, you know, having power is super important. I think when we approach the sleds too, like being able to have powerful pushing or pulling but where it's not taking so much out of you is is really kind of the key there. 
like you're doing mm-hmm. it quickly and efficiently, but it's not like wrecking you. That's obviously kind of the goal with it. Um, yep. And I think that really comes with like just having both power and speed, but also muscular endurance, like having those two things together. And I think we see oftentimes athletes in this sport kind of have one or the other. So really having that like blend of both, I think is, is where like the magic starts to happen. Cause I think, um, you know, we see these really big muscular guys and they go and they push these sleds in like two minutes, but then they run like trash after, you know, because they, they're not used to that level of exertion and then going right into something like running. Um, so if you kind of have that blend of both, I think that's, that's like kind of the best spot that you could be in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And is there, so one thing I, I know people always worry about is that strength is going to negatively impact them in terms of their running abilities that they, they, people worry about getting like big and bulky and like their yeah. muscles getting so big that it slows them down. Do you, do you ever worry about that yourself? Is it something people should no. worry about? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think it just totally depends on the person and like where you're coming from. For me, I know that I'm running and doing so much, um, like cardio along with this. And, you know, for women, especially like you have to try, if you want to put size on, you have to, you are working hard to put that on with your diet, with, you know, your most times women trying to get bigger are not doing the level of cardio that we're doing. They're not running. Number one, you know, if you go see power lifters, they're not running and their goal is to get big and strong. Right. So you really have to try, be, be trying to do those things. And when you mix all these other components into it, it's just really not that simple. Um, Mm -hmm. So your goal is just really to get stronger progressively over time. And uh, I think for the men though, I do think size can come into play a little bit more just because of the way our bodies are, you know, men typically can put size on much easier. So it is, it, there is that line where like the bigger your muscles are, the more inefficient your running can be. Like that's just kind of science. So, but obviously we have people in this community like Hunter, who's, I think he said he was 205, um, on the day of world championships. I think he was like wanting to be just under 200 pounds for whatever reason, but like clearly that doesn't deter him from, from being good, yeah. you know? So I think it's something that people maybe tend to overthink a little bit, but there are like things behind it why you don't want to be so big because then running is difficult, you know? So there are those, Mm -hmm. there is that kind of balance between the two things. Mm -hmm. And so is there, are there numbers that you have um, as an athlete yourself, as a, as a coach as well with, with your programming, is there numbers on say the squats, deadlifts, like cleans, anything like that, where you go, okay, this person's actually now strong enough that they can um, focus more on their running. Like, is there, is there like benchmarks that you have yourself for strength numbers? To be honest, not really. Cause I think it's just so relative to the person. Like I have an athlete who weighs right now, probably about 185 and like he can deadlift 550 pounds, you know what I mean? So he's, but he's not a big guy. Like that's, he's, he's very lean. He, you know, he's tall too. So like, I don't, I don't think so really. I think for me, it's more just looking at the running and like, is the running being negatively impacted? If that is, then maybe that's when we pull back on, on the like higher end, heavier, um, lifting, if that makes sense. 
Because I do think you can really have a good blend of both. Of course, if you're running, your strength numbers are going to take oftentimes longer to to get stronger. You know, if you just focused on strength, you're going to see those gains much more quickly. But um, yeah, I don't, I don't really particularly. And my, my goal for me is like, if I can remain within about five to 10% of my max numbers, even while doing all this running volume, then like I'm in a really, really good place. And that's really hard to do. Um, so that's kind of like where I try to try to keep it myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so you're definitely one of, if not the strongest um, athlete we have in high rocks, right? So what, what kind of numbers, uh, if you don't mind me asking, what kind of numbers do you have for say deadlift squat bench? So I haven't really maxed out in quite a while, but my like kind of going into this, like even at the beginning of high rocks, um, I was bench pressing 205. I can deadlift 345 and then my back squats around 280. Um, mm-hmm. Nice. I can, now it's a lot of three RMs, five RMs, a little bit higher volume. So like for me, I hit 175 for three the other day. Had no choice because I had no spotter in my basement. So I was like, this better get up. <laughs> my eight-year-old cannot help me. So, yeah. Um, but then like I've squatted 260 for three recently. Um, I've pulled 295 for three. So as long as I'm kind of like around that range, I, I feel really confident. Um, it's of course, when you're doing so much other work, you know, in, in the various stations and you're doing skiers and rowers and you're running and all of that, like you have to keep in mind that how those are going to impact your lifting. So there are days where I hit stuff. I'm like, oh my gosh, like I used to be able to do that in my sleep, but it's just because of what I did the day before or two days before that and and how that's overall impacting me. So when I approach my lifting now, a lot of the time I'm really focusing on like doing the movement quickly, like fast, explosive, and, and not focusing on the number as much but like the power behind it, because I really do think that that's a little bit more important um, in regards to like the hybrid training. Like you don't have to have the best deadlift. You just have to be decent at it, you know, or mm-hmm. and that's kind of like hybrid in general. It's like not being yeah, great, not being a master at one thing. It's being good at everything. So mm-hmm. that's kind of the way I'm seeing it within the strength side of things too. Yeah. So I'm say. It's funny you say it's funny you say about um, not having a spotter because often when I do bench press, uh, if I'm on my own, which I quite often am, I'm like, well, I either get this or I die now. So <laughs> that's it. It's a really good motivator to make sure you get that that bar off that's, your chest. That's yeah, that's exactly what I um that's exactly what I tell myself. <laughs> yeah. So so just to give people a bit of inspiration as well, like um you it's not like you started strength like super super young right like your your background is is running no yeah so I started as a distance runner however the gym that I actually even currently train at I live in my hometown now um I started working with a strength and conditioning coach when I was probably like probably leading into my first year of collegiate running um and you know he trained conjugate west side barbell style lifting 
Um, we were pushing sleds. I was, so my first exposure to a sled was when I was about 18 years old. Um, and we did all these types of things, weighted walking lunges and we like, God, he would make us do the craziest stuff. Um, so really that was like a huge, that became a really big thing for me and very unconventional, especially, you know, this is like 13, God, this is a long time ago. This is depressing. This is a long time ago now. Um, so, you know, 14 years ago, distance running and lifting, it wasn't like a world that really intertwined much. And I think that's changed. And you see a lot of these high level runners, like spending more time in the gym, which is awesome. Not something that I did like with my team in college very often. Like we would have weight room slots, but we weren't really encouraged to utilize them. So this was stuff that I just kind of got into on my own because I just really, really enjoyed it. And, um, I always felt like anytime I would go to school, I'd come home in the summer, I would do two months of strength training with my coach and I would feel great, strong. I'd go back to school and five months in, I'd be getting hurt because we weren't doing the lifting that I had done all summer. And so I really believe that it, it helps to keep you healthy for sure. Um, and every time I stopped, like something would start to break down. So for me in my training, pretty much ever since then, strength had been a really big component for me. And it wasn't like I was trying to put up crazy numbers, you know, like especially when I'm trying to run super fast times, that's the goal. So it's really just maintenance work, like, you know, keeping the body healthy, strengthening the areas that are, you know, um, that you have imbalances in, like I had super weak hamstrings. So like the deadlift numbers I've done relative to the squat and bench press numbers I done have done are not that good. But if you knew like where I started from, like big gains were made in a, in a short amount of time, just cause I really focused on it. But so it's always been kind of a part of my life. Um, but not definitely not the, the primary focus. Um, and then on, in a very fortunate way, um, prior to finding hybrid, I had really focused on strength training for about two years, like heavily running just because I love it for fun, not racing, not focusing on, you know, running times. And so then being able to pull those two things together is kind of where hybrid seemed to be like a really good fit for me. Yeah. yeah. And in those two, in those two years that you had, where you really focused on your lifting, how much, um, it don't have to be, it doesn't have to be numbers or anything, but how much did you notice that you progressed? So when I like, just as an example, the first time I, and I came right from a, of years, several years of running, running fast, half marathons, five K's, 10 K's. I had, I was originally training for, um, a marathon and like COVID kind of, you know, all the races were getting canceled. It was during COVID. And that's when I was like, you know what, there's really nothing happening. I'm going to, I'm going to just, I want to just do something different. So that's when I started to get in the gym. But when I first started working with, um, the coach that I had been powerlifting with, like the first time I ever deadlifted, I pulled like 245, and then, maybe a year, year and a half later, I was pulling 345. Like that is, uh, that's a hundred pounds, you know, in, in a little bit over a year. And of course you don't test your max numbers that often. So could I have hit that sooner? Probably. Um, but 
it was like, you know, constant maxing of different variations. So like different ways of pulling, you know, block pulls, deficit pulls, um, same with benching, like wide grip, incline, banded, you know, there's so many different variations you can do. So seeing a lot of the progression, I think I had gotten my bench up to close to about 180 on my own before I started working with this coach. And I've always had a really strong upper body. So then I got excited because I was like, oh my gosh, like, can I get 200 pounds? Like, this would be crazy. Um, and same thing, like about a year, year and a half later, I was benching over 200, 200 pounds. So and again, like 25 pounds in a year as a woman is, that's like a huge number. So, yeah, yeah. so that was pretty cool. And then same with my back squats. Um, that was something that I, I had a lot of back issues from running for so many years. I had surgery um, when I was like 25. So back squatting, like anything like that was really, I mean, even deadlifting, very hard for me to do for a long time. So just correcting all of those things was just super exciting for me. Cause I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm doing all this stuff. And I have no, I have no pain. Nothing ever hurts. Like I'm never throwing my back out now. And that was kind of like <laughs> the roller coaster that I had been riding where it was like, I do something, but then, you know, my back would be flared up for five days. And, and so to get to the point where like that never happened, even now that never happens anymore. That was also Nothing. just a really cool aspect of it. Um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so yeah, just fixing a lot of the things I love running, but if you just run, there are so many things that you don't even realize are going on. Um, just the way you land, the way you strike, the way your form is can create so many imbalances. Um, and that's something that I definitely had, had been dealing with. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, so next, next kind of section of, of, um, this interview, I was hoping that we could talk a little bit about how people get Megan Jacoby style strong. So <laughs> what, <laughs> so I know that you use the conjugate method. You've mentioned it a little bit. Could you just okay. explain what that is and, and how you apply it to your training? Yeah. So conjugate is a form of powerlifting training, but you do a ton of hypertrophy, a ton of accessory work and really the accessory work, you know, you do your max effort lifting and then you basically, your accessory work is comes after you kind of analyze, okay, what went wrong? What didn't go well? And like, I, I just pulled a one RM and you know, my upper back got like bent, bent over. Right. And then you kind of assess those areas and then you really hit the accessory work super, super hard. And hypertrophy basically is to grow your muscles. And the, the, the kind of overall short story of it is the bigger your muscle is, the more likely it is to be strong. If, if that kind of makes sense, it's like kind of the yeah. short, short inversion of that. So that's kind of like where that style of training comes in. I love it because I think we're all a little bit ego, right? And I like that you kind of get, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't call it like bodybuilding, but you get, you know, you get the, like a really nice look with your, your muscles too. And that's really cool. Um, but you know, I hit, um, a max effort. It's either a back squat or a deadlift of some variation, um, anywhere from one to five RM. And I change that up every single week. And then really the rest of the program remains the same every single week. It's, you know, 
uh, maybe it's some deadlifts, not for weight. Maybe it's like six sets of five, but at a one inch um, deficit and you're, you know, that kind of stuff. And then you're doing anything in the rep range of like 10 to 20. Um, Mm -hmm. So, and that's just really, really worked for me. And it's been a style that I really enjoy. Um, and I just, I just, I like how I feel. I like how I look. I like that I'm, I'm strong, but I like that I like have the look that I like too. I know that sounds kind of mm-hmm. silly. Um, but and yeah. performance I, as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you get that, you get the strength and the power aspect. And then you also, because you're doing a little bit of higher volume accessory work, you also really build the muscular endurance along with it. And that's been a really good blend. Um, that I, th- I think works. And I think, I think people skip the accessory work way too much. Um, and that's really where like, you're going to correct the things, you know, if you want to keep pulling more weight, the accessory work is really what's going to help play into that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you, you follow CrossFit, but I know that because cross a lot of CrossFitters, especially top level, don't really, or people didn't think did that much accessory work, but Tia Toomey, who's obviously like, yeah. Matt, like world champion five times in a row she does loads of accessory work and she's always yeah. speaking about how important it is I so. also do CrossFit too um I started really when I started this journey just because when I do conjugate it's like you have a max effort day of upper and lower and then you have a speed day which is less weight but pulling it quick right so you're you're yep. moving the weight as fast as possible so I do that for an upper and lower day too so a four day plus sometimes I do extra, like I'll hit like a specific, I'll do like a big back day. Like I love having a strong back. So doing that type of lifting with all these other components of hybrid is really, really hard to maintain. And I found that out kind of, kind of quickly. Like I was able to really do that until I got to Chicago and really kind of that first Chicago race. And when I started realizing like my potential in this. I, I realized I really needed to like hyper focus on the very specific movements and mm-hmm. all those other things translate well, but it's just, you know, I had to kind of up my game in, in different areas. And so doing that kind of ended up maybe making me have to pull back on the lifting. So I got into CrossFit because I do think it's a great way to keep a lot of those skills the, you know, doing cleans is it's about power, you know, those types of things. But in a normal CrossFit gym at a, in a normal CrossFit class, you really are doing no accessory work at all. Um, so it's, it's a great supplemental tool. Um, and it's something that I do and I do Metcon work all the time at, at home, but I'm still really focusing on hitting at least two days of very specific strength work, um, just to maintain that, that level. Cause I do, agree like Tia Toomey who works out probably six hours a day she's able to do all of that extra stuff um but you know when we're not her and we have jobs and all other things it is difficult to like nail every single aspect of training that you really need to so yeah and you you touched on the bands and the uh, chains and things, which I think is what uh Westside definitely is yeah so I was I was going to say, could you explain a little bit about where the bands and chains and things come into it? Because I, if anyone follows your Instagram, they'll always see some bands or chains or something yeah. attached to you, attached to your bars. Yeah. So, 
it's a super so obviously when you have something pulling the weight down it's it's doing that when you're trying to stand up so it really 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 works your central nervous system it's like a shock to your central nervous system so that has been a super cool component of conjugate that i've i love and it's incredibly challenging like you put this band on that like you can do like 200 tricep extensions with it like no problem and then all of a sudden you hook it to you know a bar and it it adds some some of the bands depending on the width can add up to 75 percent feeling of weight on the way up but you you know you don't have that load necessarily on the way down so it's a really cool way to to play with your explosiveness um and, it, and it's really hard so mm-hmm. that's been a cool aspect of course you have to you do have to have a base you have to know like what that's gonna feel like so I wouldn't say like, Hey, everybody go throw some bands on your barbell and like load it up. Like you normally would. You really, those numbers are not the same. Um, but it is a great way to really shock. Like I said, your, your CNS. And, um, I do a ton of box squats. Um, and I think that's really important with hybrid too. Like we do so much bending of the knee that, a box squat is a great alternative to where you're not like overloading your knees. Like those walking lunges kill me, you know, nowadays, like, I, cause I'm just doing so much of it. So I like the different components of conjugate that can kind of keep you a little, maybe, maybe healthy, keep you a little bit healthy. You can, you can change it up. Um, get that load, get that effort level um, without like, overdoing it with with the weight Mm -hmm. so yeah one one thing that i really noticed with you um is that your things like your wobbles and your lunges and things are very very snappy and very quick and explosive and do you think it's like do you think the speed days are what allow that like that explosiveness Mm -hmm. definitely that and i would say just being mobile enough um i ironically don't do like my hips are super tight but i have very mobile hip flexors and that's really where that comes in for the wall balls and the lunges like a lot of people have a hard time going low or going to depth like their body just doesn't allow them to um if you ever see people in crossfit do stuff like this they're using the elastic energy from the bottom to help propel them up you are literally not using your muscles nearly as much when you do that um and that's how if you ever watch my wall balls that's how they are and it's mm-hmm. and it's it it's a great tactic for that because my times in the wall balls are are very fast um but i'm not doing as much output really like if you have to mm-hmm. come down and stop to to get back up you are using so much more of your your muscles than i am where i'm using i'm using the bounce to propel me to propel me back up so this is maybe one of the tricks to being able to do 100 unbroken at the end every time you know it's like all of these things help um so but yes like i focused very heavily on getting out of the hole quick so that was yep. that is definitely a part of why I'm able to do that. Um, but then the other aspect is just kind of technique. It's just knowing the technique that's going to get it done quickly, efficiently, and with the least amount of effort. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. awesome. And so in terms of, um, 
if people want to get good at certain movements in a uh, hybrid, do you do you assign certain strength exercises to yourself to make you better in these movements, or is your main focus just get strong? Definitely, yeah. I think um, lunges are something that I incorporate in some variation in every lift I do. Any single leg movement is going to be one of the best movements you could do for yourself, especially for your legs. Um, so obviously just doing a lot of walking lunges don't, they don't even have to be weighted. I do a lot of just prisoner walking lunges at the end, um, of, of a leg day. It's not fun at the time, but this is why then going and doing a hundred meters in at the end of a high rocks doesn't feel that bad. Right. Cause you get used to doing things like this fatigued. Um, but yeah, I program split squats, Bulgarian split squats, all of those different single leg movements, um, you know, single leg hamstring curls, all that stuff, doing a lot of those single leg movements are, are going to help in something like high rocks. Um, and especially with running, we don't run on two feet at a time, you know, we're, mm-hmm. we're one foot at a time do, on everything. So those are the things that I incorporate for myself and my athletes that are just going to help with those aspects of the race, especially. Um, and then obviously with like deadlifting and squatting and that type of stuff, those are, that's great for, for the sleds. Um, you know, in it, in technique with those movements in the race comes into play as well. You know, we can, you can waste so much time, um, by just doing something inefficiently. Um, especially on the sled pull, I think because of the rope, the rope can really suck a lot of time up. So it is definitely about just maintaining strength and getting stronger, but it is, there is that component of like specifically doing those movements is just going to help with your efficiency at doing it. Um, but I, for like a sled push or pull, I do a lot of just backwards sled dragging as well. So kind of like how you do the, the back walk, you just do that the whole time. You don't do like the deadlift motion. And then again, like on the pull, you're basically doing a deadlift and then you're doing a sled drag back. So like, that's why deadlifts come into play and and can be so important and, uh, and a, and a great tool to have. Cause if you can deadlift quickly and be quick with your feet, then that sled pull is going to go much faster. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah, like backward sled drags are, are great. Cause that really hits that same like quad area that you, you start to really feel on the sled pull. Nice. So yeah. what, I'll do, what, what I've would like to do, if you're comfortable with it, is I'll give you a list of each of the stations in high rocks. And if you could say um, one or two strength okay. movements or techniques that you think if somebody's like, I'm not good at this, you think might help them. So we'll start with the ski. Okay. So, lat movements. I think, um, especially for the ladies, we're not so big up top and the skier is really about pulling your weight down. The stronger your lats are, the, the, the more powerful you're going to be pulling that weight down. So I do a ton of pull-ups. I do a lot of single arm lat pull downs, things like that. So that I, I really have that strong upper back for, for stuff like that. Awesome. And sled push next. Um, yeah, squats and deadlifts, really just keeping your backside strong and powerful. Um, doing those things quickly, though, I think when we, like I said, especially runners, 
Like I used to be super slow when I would, when I would lift, like I could get the weight, but I'm like under tension for so long because I just wasn't like quick doing those things fast, Mm -hmm. doing a fast box squat, um, where you're really powering up. Um, those, those can be very helpful for the sled push. Do you play much with like overloading or kind of underloading and running the sled fast or anything, or do you do you just keep at the high rocks weight? Yeah, um, I think there's definitely a a a time when doing it, um, you know, for speed, keeping the weight low and just being explosive and like kind of like sprinting with it. I think that that can be really really helpful. Um, as we buck, as you buckle down. I do, and like Rich and I have talked about this many times, cadence is really important. I think we do things sometimes fresh and the cadence is totally different. Then we go to the race and we're like, wait a minute. I just did this the other day in practice and it only took this long. And now, you know, and now it's taking me this long. And I I think doing things at the pace in which you're going to do it in the race is also very important because that's giving you really how it's going to, how it's going to feel um, and what to expect after. I think that's where people kind of maybe, I wouldn't say they fail in training, but like maybe they don't do enough of is how is the next thing going to feel after this? You know, like we don't, maybe people don't emphasize that as much as they should. Um, Because it's great if you can do a sled push super, super fast. That's great. But how is it affecting the rest of the race is really the question. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I do think there's a time and place for that. I try to go heavy because unfortunately we don't have, you know, I don't, most of us don't have access to the high rocks carpet. We're all doing turf and it just doesn't yeah. move the same. So for me, I'm not even really thinking about how much weight is on it. I'm thinking about the stimulus that it's giving me and I'm trying to get yeah, as yeah. close to that stimulus as I can. So i tell you what. If one of those high rocks carpets ended up on eBay, imagine how much you athletes would pay for it. I would pay a lot of money for that. I really would. Yeah, yeah. I'd be to like be able a to... crazy neighbor lady with like <laughs> in my driveway, just like pushing it, pulling it down. You know, I would totally yeah. do that. Awesome. And yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure someone like Rich, who loves his stats, would be around like measuring it and. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. So so next one we've got is sled pool. So yeah, doing backwards sled drags, I think are a great, a great tool. Even just, um, getting, if you, if you guys watched and if anyone watched the, um, CrossFit regionals where they had the sled pull and they, they had to keep their feet stationary and they basically like, were kind of just doing that like deadlift motion. Just even practicing that I think could be, can be great. Obviously deadlifts are a great, great, um, other Cause it's, you kind of hit a little bit of both. You kind of like do a little deadlift and then you're, you're dragging it back. So both of those things would be great. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I went to the Berlin semifinals on the CrossFit and it's funny cause they sleds destroyed the, the CrossFit athletes. And then it was funny cause it was kind of like, I, when I saw that workout, I was like, I think the CrossFit guys have been watching high rocks cause it was kind of like a high rocks workout. Right. I had the same <laughs> feeling. I was like, is this hybrid right now? Like, I don't doesn't feel that cross anyway. I loved it. It was pretty cool. It really was. I really liked it. So next one is burpees. You just have to do so many burpees. Just never enough burpees. If you think you're doing enough burpees, you're not. Um, Broad jumps, though, again, 
you know, I think for the, the part that kills people more is the, the jump than it is the actual burpee. So just doing 100%. stationary yeah. broad jumps, being able to jump far. Um, I think, you know, your goal in the race is you can't really jump that far. Like, you know, in, you're standing in practice just doing a broad jump. You can jump like three times as far as you are <laughs> in the race. But obviously just getting used to doing that and how it how it feels on your legs um is big and uh yeah burpee broad jumps is one of those that you just have to like practice that movement endlessly to to be good at it do you think something like the bench press helps you with your burpees like being able to push up off floor definitely again it's the same kind of thing where if you and again in the race it doesn't often look like this for me but in practice like I am trying to use the bounce off the ground so like I'm doing a super fast push getting up quick and then I'm not jumping as far as I know I can but I am like trying to get some distance with it but yeah like if you can put if you can do the push part quickly um I think that that's massively helpful especially because of how bad you feel in the race like your arms don't feel like you have pop in in the race and we often see like where, um, especially in the women's side of things, we do that kind of like slow press down, press up. But like our body is a lot of the time on the ground um, or, or for a lot of people. So, again, just, yeah, having that having a strong upper body with that is just going to make it it's going to make it a lot quicker. Mm-hmm. OK, and um, we got row next. Row is it's it's a lot of legs. so. Kind of, I mean, obviously, just becoming an efficient rower. We don't look perfect when we row. You know, we're not out here being like professional rowers. Like, I, I'm sure that they would rip our form apart if they watched how we look in high rocks. But the more efficient you can be rowing outside of the event, you know, where you're really extending your legs fully, pushing through your legs, you know, your arms are the last thing to come back. If you can get really good and strong at doing that it's just gonna feel 10 times better in the race Mm -hmm. um the row is part machines and just doing machine work is so important the row just the placement of it and i know it's only a thousand meters but it's just where it is in the race that makes it kind of suck you know it's like yeah did all these heavy intensive leg movements and then now we're gonna stick you on this machine that's also a heavy like a leg movement if you want to be good and efficient at um yeah just practicing efficiency is going to be important Mm -hmm. trying to get your form as good as possible and so um training so how to get strong at farmers carries so this is one too where i think cadence really is important moving your feet quickly is going to be the best thing for you but also um you really have to have a strong upper back and shoulders like the farmer's carries, and especially if you're elite and have to do it on the grid, I'm giving all my tips away. This is not good. <laughs> you do so many turns, and the turns are what kills your shoulders. I think for most of us, it's not the grip aspect. It's the turning. It's the it's the the, the weight pulling your shoulders down and having to try to like pull them back and, and maintain that. I think that's the harder part. So I do a lot of shoulder stuff, and I do a lot of banded face pulls um 
where I'm hitting rear delts because when I when you do a farmer carry, you really want your arms to be locked out so the weights aren't swinging and and moving and pulling your shoulders because otherwise you just get that fatigue much quicker. There are times where I do heavier um, farmer's carries, maybe shorter distance, really just to get the extra grip strength. Um, But yeah, if you're doing things like deadlifts and you're doing farmers regularly, your grip is probably not your issue if it's a struggle for you. It's probably maybe just your posture and like the way you're you're holding your muscles when you're doing that. I, I see a lot of people like they're swinging and they're 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 really hunched over. If you can really keep your posture straight and upright and lock out your upper back and your arms, um, I think it makes it easier to do the whole thing and to do it quick more quickly. If the weights are swinging, you can't move your feet as easily, right? Because they're like pulling you all over the place. So this is going to be a good episode for people giving all the. The little t- oh the tips yeah I don't know we might not hear <laughs> this no, I'm just kidding <laughs> so we got we got two left um so we got sandbag lunges is the next one yeah so same thing single leg movements practicing your lunges practicing them exhausted isn't is important um because there's no feeling like doing a hundred meter that weight is not that heavy you know like realistically um you know it's like 42 pounds or or something Mm -hmm. but it feels like a lot more um at that point of the race so just getting used to that's a super big endurance muscular endurance station um i do this is crazy i know but i i'll do body weight 400 meters around a track straight no breaks um and that's again just because it's building <laughs> i know it sounds nuts but that's building yeah, that, that is crazy muscular endurance which is really what you need because like i said the weight is not crazy heavy on this um it's mm. it's more just the muscular fatigue that really gets people here um i know a lot of people stop at the top and then they take that next step the better you can be at not doing that. Um, I know that it saves people's legs a little bit. So again, you're trying, you need to assess yourself as an athlete, but it does take up time, right? Like yeah. stopping, yeah. starting, stopping, starting. It, it just is a time sucker. So for me, I'm doing each step fully, fully through. I also change the distance of my steps too, because same with, I do that in the sled push as well, but, which I didn't say, I'm going to not say it now. Um, <laughs> no, I talk about this stuff all the time. Where your the length of your stride can hit your legs in different areas. So if your leg, if your stride length is really far, it's probably going to hit more quad, but if it's closer, you can really use your glutes and hamstrings a little bit more. So if you can do that efficiently, changing it up efficiently, like while not not overthinking it you can just kind of do it naturally that is a little bit of a help um so that's something that i inevitably do that i've just kind of always done and uh i do think it saves you a little bit because i'll go like short short long long short short long long and then it's you know a little bit helpful so when you see a video of me doing that in my next high rocks you know where i got it from yeah there you go you're gonna be like i said this is a good idea yeah yeah 
And yeah, and so the final one uh, on this is the Woobles. Thrusters. Dumbbells, barbell thrusters. It is literally the same exact movement. Um, the better you can be at doing thrusters, the better your wall balls are going to be. But of course, just practicing your wall balls is is it's super important. I think that we see people break down all the time at wall balls. Um, for good reason, because it's not easy. But again, doing Karen, the Karen CrossFit workout, fresh isn't the same as doing a hundred you know at the last station after over an hour of work so um if you do a high rock sim type style workout your finisher should be the wall you know always do them doing them fresh is great but doing them tired is so important so you you get that feeling of of what it's really going to feel like because it is such a shoulder for a lot of people it's a big shoulder burner um and getting your form down is really important too. Just like keeping the ball high. We see so many people doing this thing like where they bend over or the ball is pulling them forward. And you're using so much more shoulder than you really need to. I actually rest my chin like on the back of the ball and I keep the ball really close to me too. That's another thing I see people do. They hold the ball out way, way out here. I'm like, you're doing like a just a straight like shoulder raise. <laughs> that way and it's just so much more taxing um mm -hmm. so so those types of things if you can like me i try to catch the ball as i'm going down um i know miriam van roer is a, also a great wall ball person to watch um but if you can use your legs to give yourself the power to to be throwing the ball like that's really where it comes from is your legs um getting good at that part can can be really helpful just because your shoulders get really exhausted during this and if you're using too much shoulder that could be detrimental to you so use your use your stronger muscle groups you know one thing i saw that or heard that you did um i wonder if it's something you do regularly or it's just a one-off you said that you were doing kind of seated um oh yeah oh god those are so terrible again <laughs> Doing them in different variations can help. So I'll do seated. And part of it was I, I had, um, I occasionally will have like an IT band thing with my knee. Just have, have had it for years and years. And sometimes it'll flare up. So at one point it was kind of like, eh, like something. It was just a little tight. So I started doing more seated wall pulse where it is solely shoulder. You are not using your legs at all. And I was doing it with a 20 pound ball and um, it was, if I could show you like how you think you're throwing that so hard and so far and <laughs> it's not going anywhere. It is like a foot. It's so, so crazy how hard it is. But um, again, getting used to the shoulder fatigue, um, I think can be really important for people. So it is a good good option to do variations and i'll do like wall ball intervals alex ronkovich does a, a wall ball workout where he does a hundred every six minutes five times and whatever anyway. rest he has <laughs> is the rest he has so if he takes six minutes to do the hundred he's going again right at six minutes he told wow. me this in Manchester, and I about lost my mind because I'm like, it's, yeah, that's horrible. Five hundred <laughs> wall balls in one 
sitting and I'll do three. Like the other day I did 350 and I thought that was a lot in the course of workouts. But um, like that is next level. But That's scary. He, in, he was one of the only men this year to go unbroken in 100 wall balls. So maybe yeah. there's something to be said about that. If anyone tries the, that after listening, DM Alex and let him know. I'm giving his secrets too. I'm giving my own and I'm giving everyone else. <laughs> yeah. Part of me then thought, maybe I should do that. And then I was like, nah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, just... sounds cool yeah. in theory, but in practice. Yeah. Maybe I'll do 30 every five minutes. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> that, that's, that's doable. Yeah, yeah. That sounds doable. So just a couple more questions for, for you, yeah. Meg. So, um, what are the biggest mistakes that you see people make when it comes to strength training? Form. Um, you know, I think people love, I, I, I want to say this in the kindest way possible. Um, weight is not as important as form. And I think when we look at the Hyrox movements and the movement standards, if you're cheating your form in practice, it, you're going to cheat your form in the race. You know, like that's just kind of the way I see things. So I'm trying to do everything perfectly, you know, with with perfect perfection. Depth. Depth is so important. If you're not getting your squat depth low enough, why would you expect to get your wall ball depth low enough at the end of this in massive endurance race? Right. It's like all those little things in practice um, will just help you do everything correctly in the way you should be doing it in the race um so and and of course like we're all athletes so we're pushing the line as close as possible but we still have to have right form and and we're towing that line very closely and that's part of the difference of being like elite in something and not right it's like getting as close to it as possible but um that's one thing i see i think people go up in weight sooner than they should or whatever um and you're just risking injury that way definitely um also i see a lot of super super high volume compound movement work like 20 back spots like five times i think that again like that I know that that's a little contradictory to like CrossFit because CrossFit is a bit of, a bit of that, but um, you can really injure yourself that way. You know, those movements weren't really designed to be done, you know, in that type of like rep range and especially with certain amount of weight. Like if you're trying to build muscular endurance, that's where I believe the accessory work comes in, you know? Um, so just, I see so many videos of that kind of stuff, like max reps at, 225 and then it's like but then tomorrow i blew my back out so it's like what like risk versus reward that's what i'm trying to say risk versus reward yeah yeah things keep keep that in mind when you're when you're doing your off-season training um you know is this really benefiting me or am i gonna hurt myself doing it um and like maybe wreck my season so those are i think definitely being around a crossfit gym for quite a few years now i see like so one thing i come in definitely there's like um so a lot of women come in and they want to get the form perfect because they don't a lot of women who at our gym especially don't really care so much about the weight they just want it yeah. to look good and over like two three four years they keep getting better and better and better 
Whereas like guys, they'll come in, all they want to do is clean like a hundred kilos, yeah. don't care what it looks like. So they'll clean like a hundred kilos within a month or so, but then four years later, they're still cleaning a hundred kilos because yep. they're just ripping the the weight off the floor. They're not right. learning the technique and they're not getting quick. Exactly. So. The technique is very important. And it's important because that's what's gonna help keep you from hurting yourself. You know, that's it's that more than anything. Um, mm-hmm. you know, we, I see people deadlift with awful deadlifting form all the time now again when you when you go to max effort something sometimes stuff's gonna break down because that's what you're doing you're you're lifting as much as you possibly can but that's where then the accessory work comes into play where you're like all right my upper back got terrible on that deadlift so i need to hit that harder you know and that's where you gotta like really emphasize your weaknesses so Mm -hmm. So yeah, and so last last question for you is that if you could give um, people listening one piece of advice that g- it guarantees that in a year's time they'll be a, a better athlete, what would it be? This is a hard one. I think in High Rocks especially, if I think High Rocks, in my opinion, is a runner-turn-lifter game. I think you have people that come from strength and it's really hard to build the, the running aspect. And then I think you see more of the people coming from the running world that have gotten in the gym, gotten decently strong. And then that seems to, to seems like it's working better, if that makes sense. So mm-hmm. if you want to be a better all overall hybrid athlete, aerobic capacity is going to be so, so, so important. More than half of the high rocks race, especially, is running. You, you just mm-hmm. can't avoid it. You gotta build your base. You gotta do, um, you know, more more running. And I, and I would say that ninety nine percent of the people that reach out for me, reach out for help from me, is because they need to build their running base, and that's the piece they're missing. Um, mm-hmm. So while I love playing and banging barbells, um, mm-hmm. I think the running is is massively important. And you can build your aerobic base without just running. Obviously, there's tons of machine work you can do and that type of stuff. But aerobic capacity is going to be huge. Awesome. Well, thank you very much. Yeah. For that. If, um, just before we let you go, you obviously, if people do want to get really strong and really fit, um, you offer a number of programs. Could you just tell people about those and where they can? Um, I'll obviously put links in the description, but if you can awesome. tell people where they can find out more. Yeah, so if you just head over to my Instagram, mjacoby, um, I have a link right to my two programs. I have a 12-week um, program, and then I have a six-week, 16-week advanced program. Um, both are super, super great. Um, and and I really, really believe that they're ex- uh, especially great for off-season training. They do have a ton of that strength um, component in there, a lot of lifting. Um, and I think this is the time to really emphasize that type of stuff. Um, when we don't have races happening, we're not tapering for anything. We don't have a, a goal race in a month from now. So um, if you're looking for off-season training, it's also got a ton of high-level running. It's going to help teach you how to run. Again, I think that's where people um, struggle is it's not just about going out and doing zone two running. It's learning how to run, learning how to run compromise, learning how to pace yourself properly all of those things so those programs have all of that stuff in there awesome 
Awesome. Yeah. yeah and, and they're great. I've, I've obviously seen them and done, done a good amount of the workouts. So, and I can also say that pretty much everything you spoke about today. So when it comes to compromise running and when it comes to doing the speed work, um, the strength work and mixing that all together, people are actually get to, to do that the way that you do it. So, yeah. So yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's great. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Um, you now me. know all your secrets. So yeah. Be... <laughs> well, next year when everyone's beating me, it'll be, this yeah, it's, it's my fault. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs>